Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Break forth, O beauteous heavenly light, and usher in the morning. Ye shepherds, shrink not with affright, but hear the angel's warning. This child, now weak in infancy, our confidence and joy shall be the power of Satan breaking our peace eternal making. Tonight's party is for that sweet little Jesus boy, weak in infancy, but maybe what we need right about now is not the baby, but the man, the power of Satan breaking. Maybe we need the wrathful Jesus, the one who turned over tables, who came not to bring peace, but a sword, the resistance and rebellion and revolution Jesus, Maybe we need that Jesus, the one that isn't nearly as popular, the unsanitized version. Or maybe not so much. Maybe what we really need is the Jesus who was kind. Oh, anger in the face of cruelty and hatred, Fiery, righteous anger is so empowering, a stay against shock, grief, and despair. But ultimately, fire consumes everything and everyone in its path. Jesus said every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. So what's underneath our anger? What's buried beneath our confusion and outrage and fury? When we stop, breathe, feel our heartbeat, let our eyes rest on something beautiful, on someone precious, what is that feeling? What is that still small voice whispering to us? The night after the Pulse nightclub massacre, Lin-Manuel Miranda accepted a Tony for Hamilton. What did he tell us through his tears? We live through times when hate and fear seem stronger. We rise and fall and light from dying embers, remembrances that hope and love last longer. And love is love is love is love is love is love is love. Jesus said, thou shalt love thy God. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The greatest power on earth 
is love. Maybe we need the Jesus who was kind. In 2008, Joe Cerna was serving in Afghanistan when the road gave way and his armored truck slid off the road into the water. He and three other soldiers were trapped behind heavy hydraulic drawers. Inside, it was pitch black. The water was rising. And then some fuel cans in the back, crushed in the accident, began leaking into the water. Joe passed out from the fumes. He awakened to a sharp tug as he was hoisted out. He was the only survivor. It kind of crushed me, he says. Darkness terrified him. A whiff of fuel triggered nightmares. He coped with it by drinking. I don't even like the taste of beer, he says. I like the feeling of oblivion. A DUI landed him in court. And Judge Lou Oliveira, also a vet, knew that Joe had to be held accountable. But he also knew that confining him would be terrible. He sentenced him to one night. Joe was pacing, sweating, shaking. The cell was small enough for him to reach out his arms and touch both walls. Confinement brought him right back to the armored truck and the rising water. The flashback was playing over and over. And then the cell door rattled and Judge Lou Oliveira walked in with a tray of food. He comes in and sits on the bed, says Joe. Scoot over. And I'm like, what's up? You bringing me some food, Judge? He's like, no, I'm staying here. Joe calmed down immediately. It brought me back to being a person. I really wanted to cry, but I didn't feel alone. Sitting side by side on the narrow bed, they ate meatloaf and mashed potatoes and talked families, jobs, television, war. And at bedtime, despite Joe's protestations, Lou insisted on sleeping on the floor. Finally, Joe started to snore. He says, that's when I felt good because I knew he would be okay. Joe says, when Lou walked in, that kind of brought down the walls in me. He felt truly free for the first time in years. In the morning, when I walked out of the cell, says Joe, it felt like a clean slate. I was talking to one of the jailers, and I'm like, have you ever seen that? And he says, no, don't disappoint him. Break forth, O beauteous heavenly light, and usher in the morning. Maybe we need the Jesus who was kind. In 1984, Ruth Coker Burks was visiting a friend at University Hospital in Arkansas when she heard nurses standing outside a patient's room drawing straws to see who would go to check on him. Best two of three, they said. And then, can we draw again? When they were gone for reasons she cannot say, Ruth stepped into the room, 
A skeletal young man lay in the bed. It was AIDS. He told her he wanted his mother. She went to find the nurses. Honey, they said, his mother's not coming. He's been here six weeks. Nobody's coming. Ruth wrangled his mother's phone number from them. The woman who answered hung up on her. I called her back, she remembers. I said, if you hang up on me again, I will put your son's obituary in your hometown newspaper and I will list his cause of death. Then I had her attention. But Ruth Kokerberg's heard what she would hear again and again over the next decade. Sure, judgment and yawning hellfire. His mother wasn't coming. So Ruth stepped back into the young man's room. Oh, mama, he said. I knew you'd come. She took his hand. I'm here, honey. I'm here. She pulled up a chair to his bedside and held his hand. I stayed with him for 13 hours, she says, until he took his last breath on earth. Ruth Coker Burke's kin were buried in Files Cemetery on top of a hill in Hot Springs. When she was a girl, her mother and uncle got into an epic row, and to be sure, she would never lie in the same dirt as her brother. Ruth's mother bought every available plot in the cemetery, 262 plots. And when she died, says Ruth, I always wondered what I was going to do with the cemetery. She paid to have the young man's body cremated and dug the grave herself with a post hole digger. Word got out and referrals came in from rural hospitals all over the state. She'd go to pick up prescriptions for ACT, and the pharmacy clerks would insist she keep the pen after signing the check. They would come out with a can of Lysol and spray me out the door, she says. Somewhere, she has a big old coffee can full of 30-year-old pens. And the young men just kept coming and coming. They knew they would be cared for and loved. And then I'd bury them, she says. We'd have a do-it-yourself funeral. I couldn't get a priest or a preacher. No one would even say anything over their graves. Over the next several years, she buried the ashes of more than 40 young men. They showed her what courage is and brought joy to her life. I was blessed, says Ruth Coker Burks, with handing these people back to God. Break forth, O beauteous heavenly light, and usher in the morning. Maybe we need the Jesus who was kind. Justin Horner. 28-year-old graphic designer living in Oregon, had been on the side of the road in a borrowed Jeep with a blowout for close to three hours. He'd put signs in the windows, need a jack, and offered money. Nothing. I was disgusted with the way people didn't bother to help, he says. It was enough to make me say stuff like, this country is going to hell in a handbasket, which I actually said. But you know who came to my rescue? Immigrants. Mexican immigrants. 
A van pulled over and the driver bounded out. He sized up the situation, says Jason, and called for his daughter who spoke English. He conveyed through her that he had a jack, but it was too small for the Jeep, so we'd need to brace it. Then he got a saw from the van and cut a section out of a big log on the side of the road. We rolled it over, put the jack on top, and we were in business. I started taking off the wheel, and then, if you can believe it, I broke his tire iron. It was one of those collapsible ones, and I wasn't careful. I snapped the head clean off. No worries. He ran to the van and handed it to his wife, and she was gone in a flash down the road to buy a new tire iron. She was back in 15 minutes. The log started to give, but we finished the job with a little bilingual cussing. The two of us were filthy and sweaty. His wife produced a large water jug for us to wash our hands. I tried to put a 20 into the man's hand, but he wouldn't take it, so instead I went to the van and gave it to his wife as quietly as I could. I thanked them up one side and down the other. I asked the little girl where they lived, thinking maybe I'd send them a gift for being so awesome. She said they live in Mexico. They were in Oregon for the next few weeks so mommy and daddy could pick cherries. And then they were going to pick peaches. And then they were going to go back home. After I said my, my goodbyes and started walking back to the Jeep, the girl called out and asked if I'd had lunch. When I told her no, she ran up and handed me a tamale. This family, undoubtedly poorer than just about everyone else on that stretch of highway, working on a seasonal basis where time is money, took a couple of hours of their day to help a strange guy on the side of the road while people in tow trucks were just passing him by. But we weren't done yet. I thanked them again and walked back to my car and opened the foil on the tamale. I was starving by this point. And what did I find inside? My $20 bill. I whirled around and ran to the van, and the guy rolled down his window. He saw the $20 in my hand and just started shaking his head no. All I could think to say was, por favor, por favor, with my hands out, and the guy just smiled and with what looked like great concentration said in English, today, you, tomorrow, me. Then he rolled up his window and drove away with his daughter waving to me from the back. I sat in the Jeep eating the best tamale I've ever had and cried. Justin Horner concludes, in the several months since then I've changed a couple of tires, given a few rides to gas stations, and once drove 50 miles out of my way to get someone to an airport. I won't accept money. But every time I'm able to help, I feel as if I'm putting something in the bank. Maybe we need the Jesus who was kind. Beloved spiritual companions, the greatest power on earth is love. And love is 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 love. May we bring down the walls, show one another what courage is, bring joy to the world, help one another, feed one another, love one another. Break forth, O oh, beauteous heavenly light, and usher in the morning.
Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.